It's now time for the Billy C Show, part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening. I hope you're doing okay. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com, or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's. For an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by our 24-7 television channel. That's right. The Billy C. Boxing Channel is up. It's doing great. If you haven't uh, checked it out, just go to Ginico USA. G-I-N-I-K-O-U-S-A.com. It'll tell you all the streaming uh, services that's available. You could sign up for a free account right now. And uh, not only watch uh, uh, past shows uh, like this one, uh, or you can also watch uh, all of our uh, specials that we've done uh, over the years, 15 years worth of uh, Billy C. Boxing. Uh, you can get it on Roku and all, all of the top uh, uh, streaming services. So check it out, GinecoUSA.com. Or just visit our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and click on the banner. You can't miss it. It's one of the top... Uh, three scrolling banners right now so uh check it out let me know what you think today's show is, is also being brought to us in part by my book tom molino from bondage to Better man on the planet is available right now where all good books are sold and you can get a copy of this book right now where you're watching or listening to this very show just visit bondsandnoble.com or amazon.com find out why i'm so adamant we're getting tom molino's story told um all right, we're going to talk about a bunch of things today. We're scheduled to have uh, Alex Papali and Dax Khan join us a little bit later. Uh, Leo Santa Cruz, one of my favorite uh, fighters, uh, fought last night. Uh, we're going to talk about that and some of the other card uh, on uh, the Fox Network. And also the big news, Anthony Joshua signed, sealed, and delivered for June 1st at Madison Square Garden against that the big fat pig, uh, Jarrell Miller. We'll talk about that a little bit later. I got a whole bunch of emails. We've got some fights we're going to preview for next week. Uh, but Foist, joining me right now to get his thoughts on the Santa Cruz fight uh, is my partner in crime, Sal Rocky Senecola. Good morning, Sal. Good morning, Billy C. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, Leo Santa Cruz last night. Uh, fighting uh, somewhat of a of a last minute sub, it wasn't that last minute. He had three weeks notice, but his original opponent uh, uh, tore a retina in an eye, um, and uh, the uh, the torn retina uh, prevented uh, Abnamaris from fighting. Uh, so uh, Rafael Rivera stepped in, but Leo Santa Cruz improved to thirty six wins, one loss, one draw, with nineteen of his wins coming by knockout. Uh, with uh, pretty much one-sided beatdown of Rafael Rivera, who looked good in the first round, uh, but after that, uh, uh, he was just in there. I was I was surprised to see him go to distance. What was your thoughts on the fight? Well, I'll tell you why. How can you not like Leo Santa Cruz? I mean, he's a trainer's dream. I mean, he does everything fundamentally solid and sound. I mean, his elbows are in, his hands are up. 
His feet are underneath him. He's got a good balance. He's throwing the punches, bringing them back. And uh, he cuts the ring off. I mean, he's a polished, all-round, generally great fighter. And uh, uh, and he put that display on last night. I mean, uh, uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, Rivera was a gamer. Kept coming forward. Uh, threw a lot of punches. And he showed that he wanted to be in this fight. He even wanted to try and then really uh, upset and, and, and take the fight home. But uh, tell you what, Santa Cruz is just too too uh, polished, too experienced, and too too much ahead of the game to let him do that. So I, I tell you what, I give all the credit to Leo Santa Cruz. I like him. He's a good fighter. You know, Leo Santa Cruz um, started the fight, and I was shocked. Now, what do I always say about Leo Santa Cruz? Uh, with that uh, the twisting of the glove, he 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 didn't do it. I thought he. No, I, he I didn't thought. Do it. Well, I well, he, st- he he did start. He, he he started doing it um, after the fifth round, but definitely not as much as he used to. As a matter of fact, Rivera was doing it, and uh, I wonder if it's something that they actually worked on or what. You know, because. It did seem that Leo Santa Cruz cut down a lot of that herky-jerky stuff that he did. The only thing that he was doing more than moving the glove was kept, you know, uh, touching at the, his shorts. You know, like uh, not that he was pulling them up or anything like that, but he kept tapping them. I, I just think it's a timing me- mechanism for him, Sal. And uh, I, I was glad to see him working on not doing it because... You know, maybe not against a guy like Rivera, but the upper echelon fighters, that extra split second or fraction of a second that he twists his glove and then has to try to deliver a punch with it, it's it, it'll hurt him. I'm, I I know it will down the road. I mean, listen, it hasn't hurt him in, in you know, 38 fights. One fight he lost in, in 38 fights. But uh, what's your thoughts? Do you think they worked on that or was it coincidental? I, or think, what? I think they probably listened to you. I, I mean, really, you never know. I mean, but I think they worked on it. I, you know what? Maybe it was an evident problem uh, uh, that they've been trying to correct. And it's an old habit. And, and you know, for whatever reason, uh, they finally addressed it. And uh, it looked like, you know, he minimized it. And uh, it, it showed in his performance last night. I mean, not that it was a big deterrent, but as you suggested, you know, in the upper echelon fighters in split second, you know, anything can happen. And, uh, but Leo Santa Cruz was a real solid, a strong display of what his boxing skills are all about and his tenacity and his, his hunger to win and remain uh, undefeated or a champion. He lost the one. I know. Um, on the undercard, there were two other fights. Uh, uh, Omar, Figueroa, um, excuse me. <clears throat> Omar Figueroa improved to 28-0 with a draw when he won a uh, 10-round unanimous decision over John Molina. Uh, the way the judges scored this one, Sal, was 99-91, 98-92, and 97-93. Um, I think it was a tough fight to score, but I, I think it boiled down to what we talk about so much on this show. You know, uh, the judging criteria, what's worth more, uh, a bunch of light punches or a solid punch? Uh, the argument that the... Um, broadcast team, uh, which I wasn't. Listen, I, Lennox Lewis is good. Is good, really good. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Joe Goosen. Uh, you know, he's very knowledgeable. 
but he doesn't sound right doing a broadcast. And uh, the blow-by-blow guy that they had uh, this week was was uh, uh, Mr. Albert. He he wasn't. Uh, he's just not a boxing guy, you know. Um, a lot of eye candy with all the girls uh, working that show. Boom Boom Mancini had some interesting things to say, um, yeah. but in my opinion. Um, I, I did think that Figueroa won the fight. I mean, um, uh, you know, Molina did land some solid punches. But for the yeah. most part, uh, Figueroa landed more. Uh, not that I like to go by punch stats, but the punch stats indicated almost twice as many punches were landed. Um, the other thing is is that I think that John Molina doesn't know how to throw a punch. Very, I mean, 50% of his punches, he's, he's, he's landing with the heel of his glove. And yeah. they just seem like he's flat. yeah. Well, he seems like he's using his arms like he had a club in them. You know, I mean, uh, the 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 club fighter. I mean, that's the way he throws punches. Nothing crisp, nothing straight, and I think it's hurting him. I mean, it's not like you're going to change this guy at 36, 37 years old. But what was your thoughts on the fight? Who did, did you think that the judges had it right, or because the commentating staff seemed to think that uh, Molina won that fight, or at the very least, it was uh, the scores were out of whack. Well, it, it, I think the scores could have been closer. And, uh, I mean, it was a unanimous decision. And it seemed to be, you know, fairly one-sided. Uh, I think uh, our, our old friend Larry Hazard may have, may have scored it differently. And uh, uh, as you suggested, you know, some people thought that Molina was able to pull it out. But, uh, you know, Figueroa did fight a tough fight with a lot of punches. And uh, I think that... Uh, he, he, in my eyes, he did win the fight. Um, I think it was closer than what the three, three judges uh, scored it, but uh, I, I, I thought that Figueroa was, was uh, a busier fighter and uh, threw some good punches. And as you suggested, I think Molina, you know, when, you, when you're slapping with that glove, you know, it's, it's an it's a easy fix, even at any age. It's not an easy fix, but you gotta, you gotta turn that fist over. You gotta deliver a punch. You gotta be a little bit more deliberate and decisive when you're landing, and, uh, you know, with authority. And I don't know. It's something I think he should go work on a little bit and, uh, you know, be the slapping to us. You know, uh, the, 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 the scores were out of whack. I mean, the one judge scored 99-91. I mean, he basically is saying that, you know, Molina won one round. And, I know. I, you know, you that's no way. I, listen. I think the fight was close. I, you know, I think that Figueroa might have stole the fight by a round. I wouldn't have been upset if it was a draw. Um, I, I do think Figueroa won the fight, like I said, but I don't think he won by any of the scores that were indicated by the judges. Even the even the closest score that the judges had was ninety seven ninety three, and I, I don't think it was even you know that close. Uh, Meaning, I think the fight was closer. I, I, I think that that yeah. was out, out of whack. 97-93 was out of whack. Um, you know, it, it just, this is the problem I have with the PBC. The PBC fighters, it, it's the corruption is so obvious. And, I, you know, very rarely do I want to sound like Teddy Atlas, but, but let's be real. You know, I, would it, if the fight, if the score of this fight was closer, you know, if it was a 96-94 fight or even a 95-95, whatever, I don't think anybody could argue. But nah. when you see scores like this, 
and you watch the fight, and if you're only going by punch stats, it could be justifiable. So that means a fighter that just jabs all night long and, and lands twice as many of those punches on his opponent who's landing bombs away, rocking his opponent every time, that would suggest that the person landing twice as much with the jabs wins. Now, that's the way the amateurs score. There's no question. The amateurs score a punch. It, it could knock you on your butt or graze you, and uh, you know they, they, they stand for the same value. But in the pros, it shouldn't be the case. I, I just, listen, again, I, I'm going to say it. I thought Figueroa squeaked out the fight, but no way near these, these scores, Sal. No, and I agree with you, Bill, 100%. And, and you know, we, even growing up in the amateurs, you know, we used to say, well, we, as, as amateurs, we would try to understand the judging. And we would say, well, I guess one solid punch could nullify 10 light punches. I mean, that was the math we used, you know. And, and uh, not that we were keeping punch stats or, or account, but, uh, you know, it was it was something that, you know, we would talk about openly or we would, you know, think about. You know, that's why you had to not only be a busy fighter, but you had to try and score a, a good solid blow here and there all throughout the fight. Uh, yeah, it's, it's something that I think really the fans deserve to have the clarity and, and the understanding of how a fight is looked at from the judges. And I, I think that, uh, you know, if there is a, maybe an explanation or somebody that wants to go out on a limb and, and give a little uh, uh, talk about it at, at a time before a big fight, maybe uh, fans will say it's justifiable or, or not justifiable. Maybe they'll look at it. I mean, I think so many things that could change in boxing, you know, would, would really enhance the the – the, uh, the game, and also maybe just uh, get it back to where, where it used to be. I think they should also include a 13th round. You know, they, they have the championship rounds. Uh, last week we heard they started at the ninth round. Uh, then we hear it was the 11th and 12th. But, you know what, why not have a 13th round? How many fights, how many big world championship fights, uh, no matter where the position of the fighter were, was at, was decided in the 13th round by hook or crook or knockout? You know, the funny thing is, is uh, I, I think that the matchups on paper have been pretty damn good over the last yeah. couple of years. It's just some of the, I mean, it just seems that every time there's a good fight, it gets marred by some kind of controversial uh, decision or stoppage or, or something. Yeah. I mean, you know, in this case, I, I really believe that you got to knock the PBC fighter out twice in order to get a draw. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's. You know, again, I you know I don't want to. I'm not saying that Molina was totally robbed. Uh, he wasn't, but I think the fight was a lot. He deserved a, a closer score, if not a draw, uh, than yeah. what he got. Uh, also, I mean, you, go home, you go home with a 99 to 91 score in your head, saying, "Well, what the hell did I do? What was all my training about?" I know. Well, well, the, the thing is, so you're is fighting he, the system. You not know, not only you have to fight the opponent, you got to fight the judges. The, the, the worst part is he was landing some flush shots. You know, uh, to Omar Figueroa's, uh, um, you know, to his ability to take a punch is, is what yeah. kept him on his feet. But anyway, to open that show uh, last night, Sebastian Fundora improved to 12-0 and with eight knockouts uh, when he uh, stopped uh, Donnie Marshall, who was previously unbeated 
beaten in the third round, one minute and eight seconds of the third round to be exact. Marshall drops to 10-1. and one. Um, That was a uh, uh, junior uh, middleweight fight, and it was uh, pretty entertaining. It's going to be interesting to see how Fandora develops. He's got such a – he's so tall. I mean, uh, uh, he was taller than Lennox Lewis when you saw the photo of those two together, which is uh, amazing. Wow. Six foot seven uh, is what he uh, uh, comes in at. And it's going to be interesting to see. He's still a young kid, so uh, how he fills out and stuff. Um, he does have power. He did take some shots. Uh, Donnie Marshall landed some flush shots on him, uh, so he's going to have to tighten up his defense a little bit. And one thing that was kind of interesting is for his height, Sal, his arm reach wasn't all that great. I mean, yeah, longer than you or I, but Donnie Marshall was only giving up an inch in arm reach, although he's given up uh, six inches in height. It's interesting. Well, very interesting, but <laughs> uh, well, stupid. Very interesting, but stupid. <laughs> um, some some big news. Some big news I wanted to talk about with you. Uh, we got Dax coming on and and Alex, but I wanted to get your thoughts. It was signed, sealed, and delivered. A fight that I'm very unhappy with, but nonetheless. Uh, Anthony Joshua will be defending uh, all of his titles. He's got the WBA, the IBF, the WBO, and IBO World Heavyweight titles. The only one he does not have is the WBC belt, which uh, uh, your boy uh, Deontay Wilder has. But uh, Jarrell Big Baby Miller, who's 23-0 and with a draw, uh, got his shot. I'm really disappointed in this fight. Uh, I, I, I'm torn between it, and I'll tell you why, Sal. I, for, in my opinion, Jarrell Miller has no business fighting uh, for a world title. No business at all. And he is the example of what is 100% wrong with the sport of boxing. Here a guy, Jarrell Miller, who when you look at his resume, and, and amazingly enough, the computer ranks him at number six, which is shocking in its own right. But when, if you look at uh, his last, uh, you know, 10 fights or so, um, his biggest wins, Gerald Washington was a good fight that he had back in 2017 only because of the significance that Gerald Washington uh, stepped into the ring that night uh, with. He was 18-1-1 against Miller, and it looked like two uh, younger heavyweights uh, meeting, which, which I was impressed with at that time. Uh, so I give him credit for that win. And the only other name on his resume that you got to give him somewhat credit for, even though the guy's 152 years old and was in war, all kinds of wars, was the Tomas Adamak fight, uh, which he had uh, uh, late last year in October. Aside from that, he's fought a collection of nobodies. And he, and he mouths his way to a, uh, to a world title shot against Anthony Joshua. But here's the best part, Sal. Anthony Joshua against Jarrell Miller, which is taking place at Madison Square Garden in New York City on June 1st, um, already broke the pre-sale ticket limit, which is amazing since the tickets technically 
aren't even on sale. The pre-sale started on Friday. Then they have the pre-pre-pre-pre-sale starting on Monday. And then the regular tickets uh, are, are going uh, on sale on Tuesday. So they've already broken the boxing pre-sale record for Madison Square Garden. Here's a guy that's coming over from England. Um, you know, what does this tell you? He's going to be guaranteed his 20-something million. What does this tell you? I keep going back to Deontay Wilder, your idol, made a huge mistake in not fight. If you're going to just look at the money, because that's what people will use as a defense when they talk about Deontay demanding 50-50 and all of this stuff. He doesn't bring the value. This is a guy that doesn't even sell out. This is a guy that you wait until the, the night of the event before the asses get in the seats and half the, the time they're giving tickets away. And Anthony Joshua, who's never fought in the U.S., who's fighting a bum that nobody's going to expect uh, Miller to give him any kind of trouble, and he's going to sell out. You watch. This fight will be sold out before Wednesday, Sal. No, I think you're right, 100% on money, and uh, no pun intended. But, uh, you know, every fight that uh, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder take in between their potential meeting is one fight more away from that ever happening. And, uh, you know, Miller could rise to the occasion and get lucky and do something. I don't think he will, uh, but anything could happen any given night. So, you know, that whole dream scenario of seeing that great fight and unification of all the titles and uh, the big paydays in the future, you know, are all going to be predicated and riding on this fight coming up. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's one way to say goodbye to a great opportunity uh, for people not, not, uh, not jumping on the bandwagon uh, when, the, when the opportunity was available. Well, I mean, what about the, the, the bottom line of, of Miller even getting this fight? Well, you know, again, the guy uh, promotes himself, talks about it, puts it out there, does everything else. And, you know, it's it's not like the old days and uh, uh, where other people are doing that for you. I think he, he's got some backers behind him and, and everything else. But, uh, you know, you got you to... Gotta, give him some credit for finagling and, and working his way uh, into that whole uh, consideration of the arena of, of him being a, a potential uh, candidate for a world title. And uh, so whatever he did to get there, you know, hey, if it wasn't by the promoters, it was a joint effort or, and a little bit of himself making himself known. And, you know, that's, that's the whole fight game. You know, you're not only fighting your opponent, but you're fighting the whole system to try and finagle and get up to the top. And whatever he did by hook or crook, he, guess what? It worked. Well, here, here's the here's the the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is is that um, Anthony Joshua, who is ranked number one by the computer, in his last ten fights, and, and you could actually, I, I mean, I don't want to discredit Rafael Zambano, but he's a he's a guy that's turned into nothing but a gatekeeper. So you uh, take him out of the mix. And his last 10 um, were against all good opposition, if not Hall of Fame, like Vladimir Klitschko, and obviously undefeated. Alexander Povetkin, who uh, going into this fight, you can make the argument that he was the number one fighter behind Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder in the heavyweight division. So, you know, uh, arguably the, the third best heavyweight in the world. AJ knocks him out in seven. 
Joseph Parker was a former world title holder. He was the first guy to go to distance with uh, with Anthony Joshua, but he had no chance of winning that fight. And he's a quality fighter. He'll be back in the mix uh, oh, if yeah. he's not already. Carlos Tacom, uh went uh, gave gave AJ all kinds of trouble because of the height difference, and AJ uh, finally stops him. He uh, stops Vladimir Klitschko, which was a, a, one of the greatest fights uh, I've seen in, in quite a long time. Eric Molina knocks him out, same guy that uh, uh, your boy struggled with for six or seven rounds. Dominic Brazil knocked him out in seven. Charles Martin, who we won a title from, uh, knocked him out in the second round. Dillian White, who's a top contender now, who's uh, being ordered to, to fight yet again uh, by the uh, WBC, uh, to stay, and he's actually probably had the toughest road of all of them if you start uh, adding and looking closely at his resume. But Dillian White goes seven with him. Gary Cornish was undefeated 21 and 0. A little beefed up record there, but still didn't get out of the first round. Kevin Johnson, who's, uh, uh, you know, claimed the fame, was a, was a top uh, fighter at one time, but he had never been stopped and gets knocked out in two by AJ. So, I mean, here's a guy that. It has fought the toughest fights in the heavyweight division, and yet, uh, you know, Jarrell, big baby, bum Miller uh, gets a shot at him. Uh, it's just, it's disheartening, Sal. Well, it, it could be, especially for those top contenders all vying for that number one spot to get in line for a title uh, opportunity. But uh, like I said, the, the way the bell bounces, not the bell, the glove, but... Uh, yeah, by hook or crook, you know, you, you, you try and get that title, secure that title shot. And uh, it's Molina's turn. It's his opportunity. And, you know, win, lose, or draw, he'll probably not get another one. Well, you know, the thing with the heavy, well, the thing with the heavyweight division is as long as you're active, you're going you're gonna to yeah, get shots. Well, you're always in the mix. Well, just some other heavyweight news. The WBC, which, you know, from all intent purposes, the WBC – the mandatory challenger was uh, Dominic Brazil for Deontay Wilder. But because they had the draw, the WBC actually, uh, I thought, did the right thing by ordering the rematch between uh, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Now, what that caused was it caused an uh, uh, interim title bout to take place between Dillian White and Dominic Brazil. Dillian White... Uh, happens to have the WBC silver uh, world title, which is actually their fancy word for an interim belt. Um, so that's actually a good matchup uh, between those two fighters, and the winner uh, will be uh, uh, will have to fight the winner of Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, unless the winner of uh, uh, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, fights Anthony Joshua next. But I actually like the Brazil White fight. Even though they're they're really causing uh, forcing uh, Dillian White to to climb the ladder. I mean, I, what he's you know what the sad part of it is, Sal, is that What's Dillian that? Dillian White is doing what I wish all fighters did to get their title shots: climb the ladder. Dillian's climbed it twice now. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, you know that's that's the old fashioned way of, uh, of earning your position, your top, and and you know well that's that's. That's old school. That's that's uh, good. And Dillian definitely he fought his way to deserve to be where he is, and uh, hopefully it'll be uh, an honor and 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 uh, him 
to get that opportunity again is is very very noble because he did it the old fashioned way, and uh, you know it's it's good to see that it could still be done that way, and not just uh, not just how much you bring to the table in the form of financial. Yeah, but that's the way it should be. That, that, what yes. what what we're getting really with Dillian White is you're getting a guy that's getting better. He's a he's clearly a more dangerous fighter than he was when he fought AJ the first time. So really, really, what's going to take place is once the heavyweight division is clean of the Deontay Wilder uh, Tyson Fury matchup, assuming that winner immediately fights Anthony Joshua, because if they don't, that's where the division is getting messy. See, if if the winner of the Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury uh, rematch uh, fights Anthony Joshua in in his next fight, we will have a defined heavyweight division with the winner of that fight being the top dog. But then all these other fighters, Sal, would have an opportunity to fight each other to earn the shot. Right now, there's side roads to the top, like Miller's taking. And, uh, you know, um, fighters that get these opportunities uh, because, like you suggest, you know, they got some financial backing or whatever, or they have a big mouth uh, and they get it. Now, uh, for Anthony Joshua, I'm not knocking him for fighting Miller to make his 20, 30 million uh, beating up a fat pig. I mean, and let's be real. I mean, he does, Miller does throw a lot of punches, but this guy does not have, I I am not going to give a guy credit for looking good when his opposition isn't good. You can only look good when you're fighting good opposition. That's my opinion, Sal. It always has been, and, and it's one that's credible and respectable. And, and like I said, it's uh, it's just going to be a matter of you know seeing these guys and making these fights come to fruition. And like you said, the whole card could be disrupted easily by an upset. And and that's the you know you almost you almost want to see what would happen in that scenario. And maybe it would take something like that to clean it up. But uh, you know, until then, uh, it is what it is. And uh, we sit back, we we, we uh, observe, we look, and we make comments but uh you know the system has always been uh one that be to be uh uh not tampered not played with but uh finagled i, I think i like to use that word a lot today well it's uh it's the old saying sal it's not what you know it's who you know and uh in boxing uh it's it's no different but uh, anyway listen we're going to take a short break we're going to kick uh Sal to the curb here for a little bit, and uh, we are. He needs to rest up anyway. He's been toe tapping, dancing, you doing have all no these things. Idea. I you do. Have no idea. It's, uh, I wish I was there. I wish I was uh, watching. I wish, you were there too, I, w- I, I wish I was watching my man Yankee Doodle Danny. In we, his, we, we've uh, had sold out audiences every performance, and t- including today. I got to get back on that stage, and we have a great cast, great crew, and and uh, it's another sellout. And we even extended it another weekend. So that's how popular this show is. I don't know, and but you you must be making tons of money doing all of this, Sal. <laughs> no, it's community theater. It's all free. Oh, Thank you. Damn, damn. All right, don't listen. Tell, we'll, my, don't tell my agent. Yeah. Thirty-three and a third out of nothing. I know. <laughs> listen, we're gonna take a short break, and uh, when we come back, we're scheduled to have uh, Dax Khan join us. Yes, Dax. He'll be with us in about uh, two. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. 
or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. Don't forget to check out our uh, 24-hour, seven-day-a-week television channel. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's this show plus a whole lot more. Uh, Check it out. You can get all the information. Sign up for a free account. You can watch us on Roku, Google Play, and uh, a bunch of others. Just go to Ginico, G-I-N-I-K-O-U-S-A.com. And uh, sign up today. Joining us right now uh, is my man uh, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Well, that's good. That's good. Santa Cruz <laughs> and Rivera last night. Uh, Rivera hung in there for the uh, for the distance, uh, but uh, Leo Santa Cruz dominated, in my opinion. What was your thoughts on the fight? Yeah, I did. I thought uh, Leo Santa Cruz dominated. Um, credit to Rivera. People didn't give him much of a chance. I mean, he really came out there swinging hard that first round. I think maybe if he um, was capable of maybe, um, you know, switching the tempo on his punches instead of throwing everything hard, it might have been even a closer fight. But, you know, it was a good fight. Leo Santa Cruz looked very good. And I think uh, Leo Santa Cruz versus Gary Russell Jr. is the fight to see if Gary Russell Jr. can be a little bit more active. Yeah, that's always been his problem. uh, Gary Russell, and he seems to to duck some of those uh, uh, bigger... uh... Uh, fights, but getting back to um, Santa Cruz and Rivera real quick, um, you know, do you think that Rivera? Because I I agree with you. I I thought that he started out with a really good game plan, and I said to myself, either he's going to get stopped, or it, he's going to make a fight of it. He didn't get stopped, and he didn't quite make it a fight. Although he was never, you know, getting blown away. Do you think that the activity level? of Leo Santa Cruz shocks fighters. I mean, they watch him on film and and you know, they can uh, they can anticipate it, but this guy throws punches nonstop. Do, do you think once they're actually in the ring with him that it throws off their game? Yeah, I think that happens with a lot of fighters. Um, it's not so much the activity, but once they realize that Leo can also take a punch and there's no real lulls in between there, that that's what gets them. I mean, you know, guys are able to, they train for, uh, you know, they spar, you know, for activity, punches continuously coming at them. But, you know, again, with, once it's on that, those levels and then the other things are incorporated, that's what really throws them off. You know, the other thing I noticed I was mentioning to Sal a little bit earlier was I didn't see Leo do that move with his glove. He didn't even start doing it until the fifth round, and he still wasn't doing it as much as he used to. Obviously, they worked on it. Um, I, I mean, what's your thoughts of that? Because that's, I tell you what, that's hard to take a fighter that that has developed a habit and that, at, you know, most cases, the trainers will just leave them alone with it because, you know, they don't want them to focus on that. Sort of like, uh, what was that guy's name? Allen who kept looking down at his feet oh, all the Alan time. Oh, Alan Green, yeah. Alan, Alan Green. Green, yeah. You know, remember he used to look at his feet. But uh, did you notice that? And and obviously they worked on it. What's your thoughts? Yeah, who knows why. Uh, maybe in the gym they've been uh, working on it a little bit. Uh, uh, maybe Leo himself has just, you know, kind of 
decided to deliver his punches a little bit better, you know, in a little bit different fashion. You know, who knows why or, hey, maybe the next fight we'll see him just nonstop doing that thing with his glove again, you know? You know, who knows? We'll have to see. It uh, depends on, you know, the right opponent. Again, you know, Rivera was looking, you know, for every punch that he had out there, was looking to take Leo's head off. So, you know, maybe Leo wasn't quite as relaxed and he was more on, on the, uh, the, uh, the, um, the defensive and stuff. So, you know, who knows? We'll see. But, you know, obviously that is, you know, that is a plus for him. I'm with you. I, I would like to see uh, Leo Santa Cruz fight uh, Gary Russell uh, in his next fight. I mean, he... Uh, he deserves a bi another big name. Um, you know, he could continue to go on his merry way, uh, uh, dismantling yeah, well, the Rivieras well, of the just, division. Just, just, just back to what you were saying about the, um, the the volume. You know, his only loss came to Carl Frotch, and you know, not Carl, Carl Frotch, another guy. Who, not, you know, not, not Carl Frotch. Um, the other kid uh, from England, Carl Frotch, super middleweight. <laughs> No, no, I'm Frampton. I'm sorry. Carl yeah, Frampton. Frampton. Yeah, Frampton. Carl. You know, his only loss came to Frampton, and Frampton, like Leo Santa Cruz, is a pressure fighter who throws a lot of punches. So, you know, maybe in that fight, you know, Leo Santa Cruz was a little bit shocked that somebody came in with his own type of game plan. So, you know, you're right. You know, it's it's a lot different to see it and study it than actually is to be in there, and it's constantly in your face. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I was saying earlier. You know, it's uh, it's hard to fight a guy that that doesn't stop throwing punches no matter what. You know, so. <laughs> Um, but those two Carl Frampton fights were were good. I he even mentioned that he wouldn't be opposed to a third fight because of uh, uh, how entertaining the first two were. But talk about an entertaining fight. The co-main event: Omar Figueroa uh, fought John Molina in what I thought was an extremely entertaining fight. Um, I, I you know I I have a feeling you disagree with who I thought won. I thought Figueroa uh, squeaked out the win, but regardless. The scores were, were typical PBC scores, Dax, that are just becoming so disheartening because even though I do believe that Figueroa squeaked out to win, I don't believe that John Molina deserved even the best score he got of 97-93. What's your thoughts on that fight? Well, first mention of PBC, if you check my, uh, my Twitter feed last night, I made, you know, and. Uh, I noticed in that in that count where continuously Omar Figueroa's punch numbers were going up, and a lot of those were landing on the hips, they were landing on the elbows, they weren't clean punches. So Omar Figueroa wasn't really landing as many punches as it seemed like, you know, you know that you would actually uh, that you could count. But again, you know, John Molina, he was landing the cleaner and harder punches. If it wasn't for that rope, remember with the time when Omar Figueroa had his hand in the rope, he'd went down. Um, John Molina, he wasn't able to follow through with it, but I thought John Molina actually landed, you know, the harder punches. I think, um, you know, he stunned Omar Figueroa a few times. I had John Molina up by two points. I had it 96-94, but, you know, I wouldn't have had a hard time if, uh, the, you know, Omar Figueroa was 96-94. But, yes, like you mentioned, Sal mentioned, those scores were just unfair. I agree with you 100%. The score should have been 96-94. Who you gave it to was either way okay. That's why I was saying that, I said it earlier, that 96-94 is what I think that Figueroa won by. I would not have been upset if the, the same score for Molina, and I wouldn't have been uptight if the score was 95-95. I mean, that's the type of fight it was. It boils down to the same thing that I'm always wondering. What we need with judging criteria, Dax, is a hierarchy of how the 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 rules to judge by are scored in other words does a guy 
get a he wins the fight by landing twice as many punches even though none of them have any zip behind him versus the guy who stuns him with half the shots but every shot he lands he's he's sending a guy backwards that's the argument that could be made if you watch this particular fight all right whichever one you like you know it's not so much the judging criteria which you know, I do agree. You know, there is a there is a criteria out there. You know, it's but there's no Larry order. Hazard. There's no order right, of right. it. Larry, right. Larry Hazard explains it clearly. But what we need to really look at in the sport is when we have a certain collective group of judges that are always with such a wide margin. It doesn't matter what fight they're doing, whether or not it's a local card, whether or not it's a title fight. When you always have that one guy whose score is, you know, three and four rounds separated from the other judges, those are the guys you have to keep an eye out for. But this because, case, you know, you just got to get rid of them. It's just, it's bad for the sport. It's bad for the fighters. It's bad for business. In this case, all three of them were scoring based on the same uh, viewpoint, I right, guess. Yeah. You know, so so they were going. You'd have to make the assumption that they were going specifically on punches landed, and they were not looking at the the damage the punch did. When Larry was doing his scoring. He was making it clear that he was scoring based on efficient punches landed, the punches that were landing the most efficiently, doing the most damage. My point is clear. You know, like all we need to do is make it a rule. Does the guy who lands more punches like they used to do uh, in the amateurs, does he automatically win? Or do we got to give more value to the guy who lands one punch to your three, but every time that one punch lands, it sends you back. I mean, that's that's really the issue here. The, you make a great point that the the only reason we can't really, you know, go on a, a, a witch hunt, if you will, for uh, any one of these judges is because they were all in the same neighborhood. If you had two judges that were uh, 96, 94, and then you had that other one, 99, 91, now you have an argument. But these guys all saw it the same way, which is which is kind of strange when the, the guys sitting ringside, the commentating, and, of course, Larry Hazard all had it much closer. You know, Billy Costello, the late Billy Costello, I remember being at a fight card up in Albany, and Billy was a judge. And they had a guy on that card, I believe his name was Waylon Willingham, who was uh, looking great. He was throwing a lot of punches against this other guy, but anytime this other guy would hit him, uh, Willingham would just go back, you know, he, he would really uh, feel the effects of this, and I was talking to Billy afterwards, and he was the only judge who scored it for the other guy who didn't land as many punches, and I asked him, I said, well, Billy, why did you score for him when the other guys, you know, they and they were house fighter judges, more or less, he said, because, you know, that guy, he looked good, but every time that other boy touched him, this was exact words, he said, every time that other boy touched him, he sent that mother effer back on his feet. And, you know, so that's more or less what, you know, you're saying is that, you know, what are you going to count? You're going to count that volume that looks good or you're going to count the effectiveness, the effectiveness of the punches like Larry Hazard was saying. But, you know, again, as we see in broadcasts and we listen, if you just listen to the broadcasters on certain shows, especially like the PBC, you can already know who wins. Michelle Rosado made a comment last night on Twitter saying, I guess you have to have Omar Figueroa win because without Omar, I guess his brother Brandon can't get a fight. So we should see Omar in another 12 to 18 months. You know, Omar Figueroa is a guy, he's a former champion. His real career, Bill, is only about three fights. Ever since then, he's had weight problems. He doesn't make weight. You know, what are, what are they doing with this kid? It's not fair to John Molina. You know, it's not fair to the fans. And it's it's frustrating. You know, I think Omar Figueroa is a guy that they're going to feed to somebody soon. He looked like a 38-year-old fighter, not a 29-year-old fighter last night, you know, in terms of his body. And it's unacceptable. Um, I'll tell you one thing, and, and I mentioned it earlier with Sal. 
Um, and I and I'm a fan of Molina. As a matter of fact, Joe Goosen was in the uh, doing the broadcast, and that was one of the the most famous fights I'll ever remember. I'll ever forget. I'll never forget. I should say is when he was getting battered, and uh, he comes to the corner. I think it was the eleventh round, and uh, and, and Joe Goosen says, oh, "You need a knockout," and and Molina says, "Okay," and goes out there next round and knocks out, and wins a world title. Um, you know, and I've always liked the kid ever since then. He's a, he's a warrior. But I'll tell you, he doesn't know how to deliver a punch, Dax. The way he hits with with the heel of his glove, I mean, like he's got a uh, like he's Barney Rubble with a with a club in his hand. If he could just hit more, you know, precise and and straight on, maybe he takes Figueroa out of there. Yeah, and he's he's, he's worn out. Understand, you know, John Molina's worn out. He's been in a lot of wars. You know, with a lot of very good fighters. And as you stated, you know, a lot of late-round knockouts come from behind wins. And anytime John Molina's ever uh, lost, you know, he's always lost on his shield, which is frustrating. You know, that, that's one of the most frustrating points of the sport to me. When when somebody gets, uh, you know, such a wide margin where they lose, where they deserve that fight to be closer. Because these are the guys, or as you always say, you know, the blue-collar, the bring-your-lunch-bell-to-work uh, your type guys that deliver for the fans continuously. They're the guys that actually make sure that you're getting your money worth for the ticket. Even if, you know, you're not going to give the guy the win, or you, whether or not, you know, you're trying to edge the house fight, or you just actually didn't think he won. You know what? Be fair to the guy. Be fair to the sport. You know, at least let this guy know that, you know, it's not in vain. And, you know, it's very frustrating for, for everybody, in my opinion. And that's why you don't have a lot of fighters like a John Molina anymore. Sebastian Fundora uh, improved to 12-0 and with a knockout, uh, one minute and eight seconds in the third round over Donnie Marshall, who went into this fight undefeated. What's your thoughts on this kid, man? Uh, I, you know, I haven't really – I mean, he looks good, and I haven't – you know, I want to see more. But I don't know if I can make a definitive opinion on him at this point. What's your thoughts? You know, I used to uh, get a lot of press from him and a lot of video from him from Samson Likowitz. And, you know, sit there saying to yourself, he doesn't look like he throws a hard punch. You know, he kind of smothers his punch. And just before he landed that uppercut last night, that was going through my mind. You know, he just let loose of this flurry. And I said, you know, he doesn't look like he hits very hard. The next thing you know, the opponent goes down. So this is a kid I think he's going to have a hard time when he steps up in level of competition with these guys that are a little bit more compact or a little bit more skilled if he goes in there and he tries to fight the same style. I think if this kid learns how to, you know, utilize his height, because, you know, you made uh, an excellent reference earlier in the show, his reach, despite his height, isn't that much longer than, uh, you know, the average guy in his division. So if he learns how to deliver his punches, he learns how to, you know, stand tall and fight from a distance, this kid's going to be something serious. Uh, You know, if he continues fighting the way he is, he's not going to really reach that next level. He's going to kind of fall down there, kind of like an Atlantis Fox. The very first time he steps up, you know, he's going to, you know, he's not going to rise to the occasion. You know, the the thing is, is you know, his style like you suggest, it doesn't take advantage of, of his natural, you know, height and, and stuff. And, and I think that his legs are going to be his, his undoing. I, I think you're right. He, a compact fighter with some pop, more pop than Donnie Marshall possessed. I mean, he did have six knockouts of his ten wins, but, um, you know, not, uh, you know, against questionable opposition. I, I, I don't know. I think Fondor is the type of guy that, you know he he grew too fast in a sense you know uh he's you know he's he's sort of like the a smaller version of Deontay Wilder but not with the power you know I mean they have the same legs and uh 
um, you know, uh, we'll we'll have to see as time goes on. The, 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 the infighting, you know, the, the 154 pounder guys, they're big, they're big physically in mass. Can you imagine somebody like Fedora going in there against, uh, let's say, uh, a Jared Hurd trying to muscle him around and let off those combinations? You know, Jared Hurd would just bully him. You know, so again, that's why, in my opinion, it's going to be important for him to learn how to utilize his height and fight from a distance. You know, they mentioned Tommy Hearns several times last night, and you just mentioned the legs, and that was Tommy Hearns' downfall. He had such skinny legs, but he could hit so hard. But, you know, Sebastian Pandora hasn't showed that pop yet. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, he, we can't, we can't uh, compare. Tommy Hearns had freakish. But Tommy Hearns was a, was a better example of Deontay Wilder. The only difference is that Tommy Hearns had all kinds of boxing skill. Deontay doesn't. And I think this kid uh, uh, shows that he does have some ability. We'll see how, if his body fails him. Um, AJ and uh, Baby Miller. Uh, signed, sealed, and delivered for June 1st at Madison Square Garden. Uh, they already broke the boxing Madison Square Garden pre-sale. You know, I've, I've never heard so many versions of pre-sale tickets in my life. <laughs> tickets used to go on sale, and then they went on sale. You know, first come, first serve. Now they have pre-sale, pre-pre-sale, pre-pre-pre-sale, then a regular sale. You know, by the time you get to the, the by the time tickets are available, it's going to be sold out. Dax, what's your what's your thoughts? <laughs> what's your that's like a. a that's like a yogiism. Eh, you know, uh, the tickets went on sale and it was sold out, you know. But uh, uh, anyway, what's your thoughts on the desire uh, for, the, for AJ in New York? I, I, I still can't help but go back to Deontay Wilder making such a poor business decision, turning down the offer uh, of, uh, of a three-fight deal with, uh, with AJ um, he still wouldn't have made. He's he's got to fight the money that he walked away from. I, I have no idea what he's going to make for the rematch with uh, Tyson Fury, but obviously AJ's a draw here in the states, uh, making his debut on June first. Yeah, he is a draw. Obviously, um, you know, any point in time throughout history. The heavyweight champion, when you have somebody recognized as the heavyweight champion, they're a draw. You know, I always go back to Vladimir Klitschko, you know, in that decade-long reign of his. People, yeah, maybe his style was, you know, a little boring, wasn't the most exciting. And in the United States, the heavyweight division, because you had no real U.S. fighters at the top, wasn't a draw. But, you know, when you went to other parts of the country, Vladimir Klitschko packed the house. You know, now we have the... Um, internet more we have the apps and you know everything incorporates so and uh, anthony joshua has a better promoter and with all those titles you know that's why he's such a big draw the heavyweight champion is the draw now deontay wilder he's a champion but he's a belt holder and in my opinion between the british fans which are fabulous you know they travel and the fact that you know the 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 promotions of Anthony Joshua, the team that he has behind him, that's what's making him such a huge draw and why so many people want to see him when he comes here for his first fight, no matter who the opponent is. I don't care who it was. I think Anthony Joshua would have sold just as well coming into this fight. You know, as for Deontay Wilder kicking himself, you know, that, in my opinion, that was a little bit of an ego uh, problem with the two of them, where it's uh, each guy feeling that they were worth a little more. Uh, uh, Deontay Wilder, you know, is the top dog here. Anthony Joshua, the top dog over there, and now the top dog in the division, period, because he has more of the belts. But I'm sure that Deontay Wilder's rethinking himself. In my opinion, though, whatever happens, if you know, with the rematch with Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, if that should take place 
over in uh, the United Kingdom. And let's say Deontay Wilder wins. I think that actually puts Deontay Wilder in the driver's seat because now he's the lineal champion and he's the WBC champion. And, you know, so and so I just actually think that uh, Anthony Joshua, and I've been very vocal about this, he's been more of the hinder for this than anybody. And if you stated, some, you stated something earlier saying if it was based just on money, yes, I'm sure uh, Deontay Wilder's kicking himself. But in the long run, like Sal said, you know, anything can happen in between one of these fights. Somebody can lose. You know, um, Anthony Joshua can lose when he fights uh, Jarrell Miller, whether it happens or not, but it is a possibility. So it's, you know, whichever one of these guys don't come through and make this fight with each other is going to be sorry because once the loss comes in this era, that's it. Your train is done. It's a good thing that they're making so much money. There is a possibility that it snows in Lake George, New York in August too, but the chances of it happening are are very slim, like uh, Jarrell Miller's chance of beating Anthony Joshua. And quite honestly, I think Deontay Wilder and or Tyson Fury, whoever ends up losing – it's not going to diminish their value or the desire for for an Anthony Joshua fight. I think that's one advantage both Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder have. Um, I I do agree with you that should Deontay Wilder beat Tyson Fury in England or or anywhere in the UK, uh, I should say, that would get him a better uh, opportunity money-wise to fight Anthony Joshua, whether it be a 50-50 split or, or not. But that's a tall order. Uh, because I don't see the fight going any differently than the first one. And the only difference is is if uh, uh, Deontay can land a shot that would actually keep uh, Tyson Fury down. What's your thoughts on the WBC ordering Dominic Brazil against Dillian White? I mean, you've been on the Dillian White uh, bandwagon since he, since he hit the scene, and you've always talked very highly of this guy. And he's obviously, when you, look at, when you take a close look at the heavyweight division, He's obviously the guy who's earned his shot and has gotten better and better and clearly has fought the best opposition compared to his uh, uh, counterparts. What's your thoughts? Well, more exactly how you stated earlier in the show and you stated just now, it's not that I'm on the Dillian White bandwagon. It's I appreciate the path that he's gone. Um, you know, as Sal also stated, I appreciate the fact that Dillian White is earning his way up the ladder. You know, he, yes, he had that early fight with Anthony Joshua where uh, he lost, but he rocked Anthony Joshua in that fight. Uh, you know, he got caught later on. He got knocked out. But, you know, he's grown since then and he's become a better fighter and he's more dominant every time out. What's frustrating to me is the fact that he is becoming so dominant and he's winning every time he goes out and winning in more spectacular fashion with common opponents like uh, Joseph Parker. I think that uh, he dominated him better than uh, more, um, you know, in, in a more impressive fashion than Anthony Joshua did. And Dillian White, you know, he's kind of getting short. Why should he have to fight Dominic Brazil? I don't see it. I don't know why he should have to. And again, it's all about money. But I actually think that this benefits Dillian White in a, in a way because as the rest of these guys are moving or out there and they're uh, going back and forth and they're um, arguing over this one fight and these paydays, Dillian White is slowly creeping up and he's slowly getting better. And by the time he gets into the ring with either one of these guys, he's going to really dominate them. He's going to make a showcase out of them. Look at look at the options that Dillian White is going to end up having, Dax. Not only does he will he definitely get a shot at uh, the winner and loser of a potential fight between AJ and Deontay Wilder, but don't forget about Tyson Fury too. I mean, Dillian White is in the mix 
to, to fight all three of those guys, regardless of how they fare against each other. And that's a pretty good position to be in. And, and as it unfolds, the only guy standing in the way right now is Dominic Brazil, which, I, you know, I always think, have always thought that he was underrated. He's very slow. He's got no defense. He's got a solid chin. Um, you know, obviously the body work of, uh, of, of Dillian White is going to chop down the uh, Dominic Brazil tree, but um, we'll see, man. I, I think he's in a great position long-term uh, in the heavyweight division, just, just I, like you said. I think right now the heavyweight division itself is in great shape. Um, you know, for a lot of the younger fans who don't remember, even we'll go back to the 90s, which I believe is probably the second greatest era for heavyweight boxing, period. You know, right now we have Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua as the champions. We have Tyson Fury. We have uh, Dillian White. You have a young guy like Daniel Dubois who's getting better and coming up. And, you know, no matter who fights each other in there, you have a great circle. And, again, uh, reinforcing what you stated, no matter who loses either one of those fights, anybody in that circle matches up well against each other. And we have new guys coming in. We have new talent coming up. And if the heavyweight division continues like that, and as long as the fights get made, the heavyweight division in another year or two will once again finally be the flagship division of the sport. You know, if the heavyweight division thrives, boxing thrives, period. There's no question about that. But you know what? I kind of want to add something to what you said with, with the heavyweight division. I agree with you that the heavyweight division is in a good place right now, but I only think in the upper echelon. Yes, there's some interesting lower-level heavyweights out there, but the fact that the roads that they travel, a la Jarrell Miller, is what prevents it from being a really great era in boxing. When you go back to the uh, one of the greatest eras of all time in, in heavyweight boxing in, in the 60s and 70s, those guys all fought each other on the way up. They all got better. We got to see, you know, all these great matchups. Well, today, yes, we have an upper echelon handful of guys that are all very good, and we all want to see them fight each other. But the fighting each other part is what doesn't happen as much. So you get a lot of these young guys climbing the ladder, and they don't really get tested until they fight an upper echelon guy, like what's going to happen on June 1st. Jarrell Miller mouthed his way into a title fight, um, and, you know, he's going to look... Hey, listen, maybe he shocks the world and beats AJ, uh, but I'm anticipating him to look like he's uh, in a different league. And you know what, Bill? I agree with you that, you know, they're not fighting each other like they should, but I don't blame the fighters. I believe that no matter who it is, all these fighters want to fight each other. They want to fight the best. You have to blame the promoters. You have to blame the networks. If there wasn't five world titles, if there wasn't six different streaming platforms, four different TV networks that everybody was contracted to and everybody was obligated to, you know, that promotion goes beyond what's just happening in the room between the two promoters and the fighters. You know, they also have, you know, to meet obligations and deal with, you know, the networks who's going to broadcast, who's going to get rights and so on and so forth. And that's what hinders the sport, you know, but if you only had one network or two networks and you only had, let's say, three champion, uh, three title belts, WBA, WBC, and IBF, the things would be a lot different. It's everything else that goes in there that what makes it, uh, you know, that really complicates the picture and the scene, in my opinion. No, you're right. Dax, it was great to have you back. We look forward to you uh, next week. We're going to take a short break, and uh, we'll see you soon, brother. All right, everybody, enjoy the day. You can check uh, Dax's uh, column up on BillyCBoxing.com. We'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Hey, fight fans, check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. 
KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C sent you. The one, the only, Don King. Makes me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, talking boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in. Because we want you to be there with Billy and me. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C., the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. Undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And I was going to have my man Alex Papali join us, but after his comments to me, picking uh, picking on me in the chat room, but no, we'll 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 bring him on, uh, despite his shenanigans. Joining us right now is uh, my man Alex Papali. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Billy C. How are you? <laughs> you know, I'm not even going to mention his name. You know, the funny thing about it is he was at one time the guy you mentioned was uh, at one time uh, a a a guy that there were some hopes for, but. You know, they couldn't get him to, you know, do that thing. What do they call it? Oh, yeah, train, you know. (laughs) (laughs) What's your thoughts on Leo Santa Cruz and Rivera? Rivera? Did you think that uh, – give me your thoughts of the whole fight. Uh, I thought it was an enjoyable fight. I mean, I thought we kind of saw two similar fights in the main events of uh, ESPN and then uh, Fox last night um, in that – you know, it was largely one-sided fight uh, where one guy was just a bit stronger. Uh, but both guys, the guys who won with uh, Rob Brandt and Leo Santa Cruz in their respective fights, uh, were just tremendous volume punchers. And, you know, I think it's a lesson to young kids, uh, young kids who are just starting this sport, any young fighter, nothing beats a, a high, uh, it's hard to beat a high work rate. Um, when you have that much uh, incoming fire, uh, it's difficult for a guy to adjust to that. I thought that um, Santa Cruz looked good. I was impressed with Rivera because I I got the feeling that I thought he was going to burn out uh, in seven or eight rounds at the most, but he never did, uh, to his credit. I did like, you know, Santa Cruz still does that little... Not little as much. Bullshit. Not as but much. That, He's definitely breaking himself of it. And one of the things I noticed, I don't know if you saw this, but... Um, Rivera was doing it. Yeah, he was <laughs> doing it back to him. And at one point, uh, Santa Cruz did kind of laugh. Um, 
you know, it's just one of those nervous ticks or whatever. It's a habit he picked up. Uh, just like um, some guys who every time they punch, they make that noise. Who was that guy who I can't remember who was on the rise a while ago who made a lot of noise every time he punched. Um, but uh, I mean, otherwise, I thought it was a good fight. I mean, it's hard not to think that, you know, the big story was that weird decision. You kind of knew it was coming. Uh, I did not score that fight round by round, um, so I can't disagree and say, well, you know, I had it seven to five Molina or I had it uh, eight to four the other way, whatever. But, you know, I, I you got to go with Larry Hazard, um, you know, friend of the show. Uh, he's, uh, you know, he knows what he's doing. So I, you know, I do, do give credence to his card and um, – you know, with him being right there. And I think the other signs that it was just, you know, something shifty was just how long it took to get the decision. And then that, um, the, the as they read the cards, they got progressively worse. I know. The 99-91 card is just, come on, that was ludicrous. Um, it was disappointing because you, know, you couldn't help but think, well, are they trying to protect this kid because he's coming off such a long layoff? Um I don't know. There's no smoking gun. You can't say, oh, yeah, that was fixed. But uh, it is disappointing. It's another one of those things that if you're a fan of this sport for a long time, uh, there's fights on every card that break mystifyingly in the direction of the promoter's fighters. Uh, that's just what happens. You know, the to talk about the Molina fight real quick and for Figueroa, um, you know, I, I, that's why I keep saying that we need to have the judging criteria organized. Like, so, you know, it's in a, an order in which you put more value. Uh, everyone knows the judging criteria rules. It's the specific judges that put, you know, volume punching versus power punching and, and how they they categorize it, and, or I should say prioritize it. And with uh, Larry Hazard, he obviously prioritized it with the more meaningful and damaging punches versus just landing the punches. But the argument here is that all three judges were in that neighborhood. And I agree with you. I can't, there's no way that you can convince me that Molina only won one round on one scorecard, two rounds on another, and only three on the other. I mean, we're talking about a 10-round fight. I, I happen to have scored it 96-94 for Figueroa. Um, but I wouldn't have, been, you know, Larry had it the other way. Um, a draw wouldn't have bothered me. It's just seeing those scores. And, but then you can't really say robbery because they were all in the same neighborhood. Now you have to say, oh, did they pre-fill out, you know, their scorecards? Maybe that's what took so long. They couldn't, you know, the, the, the current scorecard and the ones they pre-filled out were stuck together and they had to organize them. I don't know. But uh, uh, that was disheartening. But getting back to Santa Cruz Rivera for a second, you know, you said something that, to me, I, I hope kind of rings home with uh, some of the young uh, fight fans and young fighters that are that are considering becoming fighters. What Leo Santa Cruz and, for the most part, uh, Rafael Rivera demonstrated last night was volume punching. And not only is it exciting, uh, but it wins fights. The other issue was the thing that you don't normally think about when you think of Leo Santa Cruz is he's kind of hard to hit. 
I mean, he's right in front of you, and he's throwing all these punches that you just can't, you know, you can't defend against all of them. You, you can maybe work him a little bit in the beginning of the, of the fight, but as time goes on, his output doesn't slow down. As a matter of fact, he increases his output. You're trying your hardest. You're, you're grazing him at best, if not missing him entirely. And to me, that's more of a definition of the sweet science. Somewhere along the line, and I don't want to mention who ruined the sport, but somebody made some young fans believe that being defensive meant that you were running and dancing and bouncing all around. But the truth of the matter is, is Leo Santa Cruz, like some of the uh, early great uh, defensive fighters of, of boxing history, is standing right in front of you, throwing tons and tons of punches, and you can't hit him. But he's still he's still in 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 range to hit you. That's the sweet science, in my opinion, Alex. Yeah, I mean, I think you could argue that the sweet science encompasses both. Uh, but you're right, absolutely, that um, the sweet science doesn't mean only a dis defensive fighter. A, a guy who uses a lot of science could also be a very offensive fighter. Um, and that's, you know, I guess to you, Floyd Mayweather is pretty offensive. <laughs> Yeah, he um, is. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, somebody like uh, Leo Santa Cruz, you know, offense is what he's there for. And you're right. Um, that does create um, because if, if you're if you're throwing constantly and throwing lots and lots of punches, then your opponent, it is that old saying, you know, a good offense or whatever. The best offense is a good defense or whatever the saying goes, um, because you're forcing the guy to react constantly. Uh, he's never having his own chance to set up. He has to risk punching while you punch, which is a dangerous thing. It's, uh, you know, the anxiety level of doing that is much higher. You've you got to stay in a more dangerous range. So, yeah, you definitely, both guys, both Brant on Friday night and Santa Cruz last night, uh, use that very effectively on their opponent on their opponents and you saw Rivera handled it better than Basingurov did Basingurov uh, eventually folded um, you know he was struggling with a badly uh, bloody nose and you know they're a higher weight class so of course when you get hit with lots and lots of punches when you're heavier they're going to have more effect all right so here's the uh, big baby question uh, big Baby AJ, June 1st, Madison Square Garden. Um, I don't know how many pre-sale uh, opportunities you get to have, but the pre-sale record has been broken, not to be confused confused with the pre-sale that's going to be available tomorrow. And then, of course, the regular sale, which hopefully there'll be a few tickets left by then, uh, goes on sale Tuesday. Um, first and foremost, what's your thoughts on the fight itself, Alex? I like the fight. Uh, I know. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't mind Big Baby Miller at all. Um, I, I'm glad he stopped doing the diaper. I, I wasn't too fond of that. But um, I've liked him over his last few fights. You're right. There's not, you know, um, his his uh, his record is not exactly a rogues gallery of the heavyweight division. Um, however, just like we just said about the other two guys we've been talking about, Jarrell Big Baby Miller is a gigantic human being who throws lots and lots of punches, and he's got quick hands. 
And for a heavyweight, I don't know, for me, it's a lot easy. It's pretty easy to forget, forgive almost everything else when you got a heavyweight who does that. Um, so I like Miller. I'm very excited for this fight. Um, I wish I was going, but um, I'll probably see it here at home because I want to be going to the uh, uh, Canastota a couple of weeks later. And um, the tickets I just looked are graded between $294 for the cheap seats, almost up to $3,500 for, you know, the J-Lo uh, Ja Rule section of seats. Um, I don't know. I look forward to it being a, a good fight. I don't see Anthony Joshua having too many problems with him. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I'm very excited about the heavyweight division right now. I, I see I, – I was listening to what you and Dax were saying. I see your point that there is sort of a bit of a gap between the top guys and everybody else. But I don't know. For me, the top three guys – I mean, I, I am just thrilled about all three of them. Um, uh, I'm very happy with a Wilder versus Fury rematch. I'm okay with that, uh, waiting for Wilder versus Joshua. I'm actually kind of waiting for Joshua versus Fury because, quite honestly, I think Fury will beat jo uh, Deontay Wilder if they fought every day in a week. I think Fury would beat him every day. It's about styles. I thought Fury deserved the decision in the first place. I think eventually Joshua Fury is going to be the fight, and it's going to uh, break the bank and attendance records. But I, I have no problem waiting if we get you know, a Wilder versus Fury 2 and we get uh, Joshua versus Big Baby Miller. I mean, if after that we even get um, Joshua versus Dillian White, too, uh, I wouldn't mind it. Um, you know, I guess, you know, Bill, I mean, they're going to make this make these things marinate. That's what they do. They like to marinate. Yeah. Well, you know, I, the, the, the division, you know, they're talking in some of the chat rooms about other eras and, you know, the 60s and 70s were so great, and they're talking about the 90s as being a great era. Dax got that going. Um, I, you know, it's because there were so many non-champion heavyweights fighting each other that made those eras so great. You, you had your one champ, so all the other guys had to fight each other to, to earn their shot at the champ. Today... There's sidestep availability because there's, there's a couple of different champs. So whichever is the easiest road, that's how Jarrell Miller even gets his chance. You know, I mean, from Anthony Joshua's point of view, to make between 20 and $30 million to fight Jarrell Miller in the U.S., um, is a layup, uh, you know, and you're right. Uh, you know, he could he could connect and, and it could, uh, you know, change the course of, of history, uh, no doubt. But as soon as this fight was, uh, they had a press conference the other day, Jarrell Miller said, uh, and I quote, AJ's making a huge mistake coming over here to fight me in my own backyard. He wants to announce himself on the American stage, but all he's doing is delivering me those belts by hand. It's dog-eat-dog -dog in the ring, and this dog has got a bigger bite. He'll be leaving New York empty-handed. This is the fight that I've been chasing all my life, and on June 1st, I'm going to achieve the thing I was born to do and win the heavyweight championship of the world. That punk AJ is standing in the way of my dreams, and on June 1st, he's getting run the hell over. You know, to me, that sounds like 100% Vince McMahonish, WWE, WWF. I mean, this is a guy, Jarrell Miller. I mean, he ducked 
um, you know, Cuba Pulov. He had a mandatory. Somehow he ducks him. You know, this is a guy that has his biggest thrill is to get this fight because he's going to be financially set after this fight. This is what he fought for. To, to, you know, slip and slide his way into a title shot. And that's what's happening. This isn't an earned shot. A guy like Dillian White, he's paid his dues. He's earned a shot. You know, uh, Tyson Fury, with his ups and downs, his performance alone against Deontay Wilder in the last fight show that he's earned to be in the discussion. You know, even Deontay Wilder, up until uh, two fights ago, uh, when he fought Ortiz and then, of course, Tyson Fury, that's when he finally earned, at least in my eyes, to be recognized as a legitimate champ. Up until then, he fought nobody. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a continuing saga for the heavyweight division. You know, dodge your way to the top is, is, is the mantra these days. And eventually, they got to fight each other, Alex. Yeah, I mean, I think that those, uh, you know, a lot of that is valid, absolutely, and that, you know, that that's, that, you know, like you had said earlier, that it's not what you know, it's who you know, um, sure, that that's probably most, um, most glaringly obvious in the heavyweight division, because the heavyweight division is, yeah, where you can make a really big name for yourself overnight with one fight, with one punch sometimes, Um you know, all that said, I'm not really against it because I think that um, uh, I think this will be a good fight for boxing. I think one of the, the worst things about um, the only bad thing about Anthony Joshua, I think, is that not a lot of people over here know him. Um, really? So this- well, there must be enough to know him since he's going to sell out Madison. I guarantee you that that fight will be sold out by Wednesday, Alex. No, absolutely. I hear you. But I, I mean the people, you know, the guys, the people I don't care about. The mainstream. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, those people? Oh, oh. well, I, I got I got, I got, to assume, I got to assume that the mainstream people have heard enough about him. He's on all the, I mean, if you go, to, even in New York, especially in New York, he's on billboards and stuff. He's, he's got, right. well, you know, you know. Well, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, but I'm saying he's he's a commodity that, you know, businesses want to align themselves with. Who the hell wants to align themselves with a guy like Deontay Wilder who says, I, I, I'm i going to kill somebody in the ring. I, I really am. I just feel like I'm going to kill somebody. Or a guy like, you know, uh, Floyd Mayweather and all his antics. Who the hell wants you, want, you? These types of businesses stay as far away. As a matter of fact, the last business that Floyd Mayweather aligned himself with, wasn't it like some kind of pyramid scheme that he and a basketball guy that – that said to I forget the company, but it was uh, basically invest money into this company, and it was all uh, a sham, you know. But uh, uh, it's just listen. Anthony Joshua is more well known in the heavyweight division worldwide, and, and and forget worldwide in the United States than Deontay Wilder is. Alex, it's true that more people. I'll tell you that that look at Deontay Wilder hasn't even been able to sell out. Um, any stadium except the one in Alabama where he's from. Every other one, they, they've had tickets available all the way up until fight night. So uh, you watch. this. Anthony Joshua is going to sell out uh, Madison Square Garden by Wednesday, and then they're going to add. They're going to re- redesign the, the seat uh, 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 plan for that just to add more seats. I guarantee you, well, I, my crystal ball doesn't lie, Alex. 
No, that'd be. I, I hope you're absolutely right. And I, but I think think about it. The uh, he's going to get a lot more. Both of these guys will get a lot more media attention uh, than they have at least American media attention. And remember, I mean, the American memory hole is wide and deep. And unless you're, you know, happening at a, you know, a commodity today. People forget about you. So think about it. That week, those two weeks going up to the fight, it's going to be in New York. So they'll be in New York. They'll be doing all the little, the stupid shows, you know, like The View. I wouldn't be surprised if one of these guys pops in on The View, pops in on uh, some of the morning shows like Good Morning America or something or uh, the Today Show, uh, Third Hour, which is the hour where viewers are most likely to take their own lives. Um you know, I think that once you're in New York, you know, for uh, a fight that's at the Garden, there will be a lot more hype for both these guys, you know, and then and then they're there in person. So somebody like Anthony Joshua, who's got, you know, a lot of charisma, will do well for that. Hey, maybe they'll be on Kelly Ripa. Um <laughs> So, I'd like you know, to be on I, Kelly Ripa. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's um, it's New York City, and uh, what's the saying? If you could make it there, you could make it anywhere. I, 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 if Sal was on the line, he'd break out in song right now because of this. <laughs> but um, I got one other thing I wanted to talk to you about: uh, a fight that should be getting way more attention than it is. Um, Errol Spence against Mikey Garcia, which is taking place March sixteenth. Um, they had their official uh, on stage in front of everyone's stare down. Um, you know, this they announced the undercard. The PBC is such, I, you know, it's a bittersweet scenario because they are bringing some fights to us, and I appreciate that. But none of them seem too competitive. The, here we got this great fight, Mikey Garcia trying to make history, Stepping in with uh, many who many regard as is possibly the best welterweight in the world with Errol Spence, and they surround him with a great undercard. Yes, mm, no. Uh, how about uh, former middleweight champ uh, David Benavidez taking on Jay Leon Love? Now that's actually a meaningful fight, but neither one of those fighters. I mean, Benavidez, Jay Leon Love doesn't throw enough punches. Benavidez throws a lot, but. Um, we'll see what happens there. But how about Lewis Neary uh, taking on McJoe Arorio? <coughs> Excuse me. And Chris Ariola coming back for another beat, taking on Jean-Pierre Augustin. I, I, I mean, I, I would have expected a little better matchups to accompany uh, Spence Garcia. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm a little disappointed in hearing those two. Um, I just, uh, when when they showed the ad for that last night, um, I was excited because um, I guess I, di I didn't realize it was pay-per-view or maybe I had forgotten or whatever, but um, that means um, I got rid of my cable box now. So uh, that means we're going to the movie theater, which uh, was a lot of fun for um, for Fury versus Wilder. So yeah, I I I'm looking forward to the main event so much that it doesn't surprise me that maybe we'll get some caca on the uh, undercard, but hopefully uh, maybe there'll be some. I don't know that J J uh, the Benavidez uh, love bout could be interesting, um, but you're right. Yeah, it's uh, it doesn't sound like we're gonna get much. The Jay Leon Love just isn't 
an exciting fighter. I mean, that's, you know, one of the big problems with him. He's just uh, a snoozer, you know. I mean, what do you think? I, I guess for me, I'm intrigued by Spence Garcia. I still don't know what we're going to see. It's a, it's as much as it's an exciting fight. Um, it's it's difficult to envision um, how it's going to go down. I'm really looking forward to seeing that one. I'm telling you right now, and I've said this before, and you know when they first announced it, but I, I, I'm I think Mikey Garcia is going to shock the world, man. Mikey Garcia, let me. Mikey Garcia is one of these kinds of fighters that. The reason why I like him so much is that he 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 gets it. You you throw three punches at him and land three, he's throwing six to eight back at you. His job, his game plan, regardless of his uh, of his opponent, he'll change the style and and maybe the approach of the game plan, but the basis of the game plan is always the same. Land more punches than your opponent lands on you every round. He tries to win every round. And, yes, he's going to be in there with a bigger, stronger guy. But let's be real. We all love Errol Spence. We we all know that he he beat Kell Brook for the title, and that was a, a feat in itself. But you know what? When you really dissect his resume... And, and when you look at the, the quality opposition, obviously we're talking different weight classes, but the quality of op- opposition between the fighters that Mikey Garcia has fought and the fighters that Errol Spence has fought, I, I'm sorry, but I do not think that Mikey Garcia is in this just for the money. He could have got the same kind of money fighting Lomachenko. This guy sees something, and, uh, and, and I'm telling you right now, don't fall asleep on on Mikey Garcia. This is not going to be an easy fight for Errol Spence. No, I I, I agree with you a hundred percent, and I I think that that's what makes it so fascinating. Is it is very much it seems like a vision quest fight where Garcia sees something, he he picked it, he knows he could do it. Uh, the the for me that's very scary because the last time that happened was Sugar Ray Leonard uh, versus marvelous Marvin Hagler. Um, at least, you know, in a, in a heart stabbing way for yeah. me, but, <laughs> um, so I don't know. It does, you know, I mean, that does, that says, that says a lot about the kind of athlete we're talking about, that he knows enough about himself that he could make a leap like that. But yeah, Errol Spence is green. So maybe he sees that, um, to think that Errol Spence uh, is an easier fight than Lomachenko, um, or a more a more likely fight that he could win, yeah, that's a big bold move. I think, um, and, you know, as good as Lomachenko is, I, I don't know. I still think you're always risking more when you fight a bigger guy uh, and a young, hungry tiger of a guy. I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, but 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 very good fight, very tantalizing fight. I can't wait. But Spence might be taking uh, Garcia lightly. I, you know, he didn't he didn't look like he was in that great of shape in some of the photos I've seen. Mikey looks just the same size, so we'll we'll have to wait and see, man. I mean, if if Garcia wins, then I mean Garcia Crawford. Oh wow, Garcia! Yeah. Got, right, right away, guys like you putting him in with somebody. Else. I mean, come on, let him get by Spence and uh, 
if he should well, get by, he let him enjoy it a little, you know. Well, that's how that's how good your argument was. No, you <laughs> beat them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Oh, geez, I was surprised you didn't say, "Oh, if he gets by Spence, Tyson Fury's next for him that's for right. sure." <laughs> Uh, you sick? Yeah. <laughs> you you back? He's 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 dodging. He's dodging you sick. That Mikey Garcia. You know, Alex. Great job. We we'll look forward to you next week, my man. All right, Bill. See, take care. That's Alex Papali uh, giving us uh, his thoughts uh, on uh, some of the fights. And I'm telling you guys, don't underestimate. Um, you know the whole situation with uh, with Mikey Garcia uh, because I, I'm telling you, I I, I have this strange feeling. The last time somebody said, I see something, was uh, uh, Joe Lewis when he got knocked out. It wasn't Joe Lewis saying it, uh, but uh, Max Schmeling said it. So, uh, but, uh, but in any event, um, I got some emails I, uh, I wanted to read. And uh, right now I'm waiting for uh, my man, uh, um, what's his name? No, my man Sal to get back with us, uh, uh, which he will here in a sec. Uh, but um, some other fights uh, that uh, were announced. I, I wanted to make this one uh, um, statement here. Uh, Don King has aligned himself with uh, Bebot Shumanov. And uh, Bebot Shumanov uh, was retired, then came back and won the WBA Cruiserweight title. He was a former... Uh, light heavyweight champion and um, they had a purse bid uh, fighting his mandatory uh, opponent uh, Arsen uh, Gulamarian um, and Don King uh, won the purse bid 821,000 uh, and uh, Gulamarian's uh, 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 promoter bid 621.5 uh, so it's going to be interesting to see um, if that fight happens the last three uh, Don King purse bids that he won he ended up pulling out uh, so uh, we're waiting for Sal to get his camera turned on so uh, uh, up until then I got some emails to read this first one is from my man Jesse he says uh, Billy uh, Ramirez versus Zepeda was a good close fight Ramirez struggled with Zepeda's movement and left hand and the headbutts made both fighters uh, uh, timid and doubting Ramirez should have pressured and gone inside to the body more uh, followed by going upstairs with combinations because Zepeda didn't like the pressure and didn't want to exchange inside. Ramirez's defense failed and was missing a lot of shots. He still wants to throw everything hard, but he must learn to change speeds, angles, feints, and set up better because he wants top guys like Crawford. Ramirez versus Hooker, Cano, uh, Ulysses, or Postal if uh, no Crawford or, or top guys. Zepeda versus any top to 20 fighter. Um, I think we got Sal back, but no video. Is that correct, Sal? I keep trying, Bill, and I think you kicked me to the curve one too many times. Well, just you know what they say. You got to get up and try harder. That's all. Get up and try I harder. I'm picking myself up. I keep trying to get that camera to go. Maybe it will. Uh, well, in any event, um, I'm reading some emails, so we'll get your uh, thoughts. Uh, this They were talking about the fight from last week. Uh, I actually rewatched that fight, and, and I think Jesse uh, hit it uh, right on the head uh, with that. He goes on to say, Tank, meaning uh, Javonta Davis, has to face top guys. He's just being fed okay fighters. He should be fighting Burchett, uh, Cancio, uh, Ito, and uh, possibly Jojo Diaz. I think Jojo Diaz will be uh, Tank Davis's next fight, even though we all want to see him against Lomachenko, Sal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, I, I definitely think that would be a hell of a fight. And uh, whether it's inevitable or uh, possible, we'll see. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's all doing the marination process, you know. Uh, the last thing uh, Jesse wants to know is what's your thoughts on Ariola against Jean-Pierre Augustin, uh, uh, Neary against McJoe Arorio uh, on the undercard of uh, Errol Spence and Mikey Garcia. I talked about that earlier. I'm not crazy about that undercard, Sal. Uh, no, I, I, yeah, I heard your Yeah, you know, I mean, um, I, Chris Ariola, obviously he's evolved into a gatekeeper. Um, I don't know. I would have liked to have seen a, a better supporting uh, uh, fights than that. What, what's your thoughts? Well, you know, they're, 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 you would think that they would want a stellar card to really uh, make a statement. But, you know, on the other side of the coin is maybe they just don't want anybody upstage or potentially put a, uh, a better fight on than the main event, which I don't think they could because it's a great main event. But uh, so I, I, I I don't understand that. You you think the the best would follow the best, but uh, you know in this case for whatever reason, the promoter didn't think it's necessary. Maybe saving a sandbagging and saving some of the the the, uh, the noise for later. Who knows? I got another email. This is from Coach. Our man Coach. He says, uh, first of all, he got the answer to the trivia question. I, I was hoping that somebody else would. And Coach has won so many copies of the Title Belt Championship computer game. He said the answer to the trivia question is Snoop's Boxing Gym in Poughkeepsie. That's correct. Um, uh, the f very first show that we ever did uh, was in uh, Snoop's Boxing Gym in Poughkeepsie, New York. It was a gym that uh, uh, I was an owner of, part owner. Um, so uh, that's where it is. So I'm going to extend the question. So if you can get this question right and email me the correct answer, Billy at Talkin' Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. I'll send you your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. Coach was kind enough to give uh, the answer. But let me ask you this. Who joined me on that show, our very first show? Who was doing the show with me? Uh, one of two. There were two other people doing the show with me. Um, if you guess one of the two, uh, I will uh, get you a copy. If you can guess both of the people that were on those sh the early show with me, uh, I'll even throw in a copy of my book. Uh, so if you know the first two people that were on the show with me when we broadcast our very first show at a Snoop's Boxing Gym in Poughkeepsie, New York, 15 years ago, email me, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. And I don't even think Coach knows the answer to that one. I would take a stab at it. Go ahead. Uh, either uh, Jeremy or Billy Costello. Ooh, good answers. Good answers. I know. I've been around the block a few times. That's good answers. Good answers. But I'm not, not, right. not going to comment on him because maybe yeah. maybe you're Very right and maybe you're wrong. At least he didn't say, you tell me all the right answers. I'm uh, uh, afraid of another one to want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Coach says, while the scale fighting potential filled Javante Tank Davis, uh, he looked spectacular, rolling over late replacement, two-division climbing, Hugo Ruiz, he better join Weight Watchers. If not, he doesn't, and if he doesn't stick to Mayweather's paths, 
path of least resistance career, he has a long list of potential bumps in the road at 135. Vasily Lomachenko, Mikey Garcia, Devin Haney, Luke Campbell, Richard Comedy, Anthony Kralla, Emmanuel Tagoe, uh, Machiushi Nakatana, Javier Fortuna, Robert Easter Jr., to name a few. And if Top Rank loosens the reins on Tefimo Lopez, it would sure be a barn fire fight. Um, Sounds like a great class of top ten of contenders. I tell you what, I can't I can't disagree with Coach with any of that. You know, yeah. and and that's the part of the sport of boxing. And I agree with what Dak said earlier, Sal. I don't blame the fighters because any no. fighter wants to fight and anybody no. they want to prove it. But the truth of the matter is, is those are all great fights, and true boxing fans should recognize that they're great fights. And unfortunately, uh, we will get uh, uh, that to uh, not work out the, the way we had all hoped. But uh, uh, we will uh, see. I just uh, lost my man, Sal. Uh, so we'll see if we can't get him back on. He also goes on, uh, Coach says, Hey, Billy, I'm sure you read uh, that the PBC signed Marcos Madonna. Um, he says, uh, It lo looks that Big Al is showing his modus operandi. And the WWE ways, I guess Madonna will get Broner in the rematch or May Fayweather uh, as uh, Manny must fight him first. It's becoming such a joke with Heyman's past of least, least resistance competition waiting. I'm waiting for a fight to break out between two corners and fighters getting hit with chairs. Coach is so right, Sal. He's been saying this for a long time that boxing has become WWE and really... No one does it better to copy WWE than the PBC and Al Heyman. What's your thoughts? Whoa, there he is. What's your thoughts, Sal? There were so many rights, there's nothing left. Joke. I know, but they have to watch our other channel to to hear that when you when you really said it. <laughs> he hit him. Uh, he, he hit him. What did you say? He hit him with so many lefts, it wasn't right or made him right. Oh, or yeah, something. he hit him with so many lefts, it wasn't right. Yeah. <laughs> But what's your thoughts on on uh, on on what I just said about M Marcus McDonough coming back and uh, uh, seemingly becoming WWE man? <laughs> well, you know, like I said, some of these guys they they are following suit as far as what sells. I mean, tickets and and, and seats, and uh, you know whether it's right or wrong or true or false. You know, that's that's. That's the way they, they just like I said The old days We've said it many many times before You know with the old promoters The grassroots and then the natural Just flow of promoters The, the Don King era The, the Bob Arum era uh, Luke Duva era I mean these guys were promoters They were the fighters mouthpiece They were the fighters ambassador And you know Unfortunately guys like that today are not so common because of the social media and everything else that they place emphasis on. Uh, you know, I, I, I go to even example of, of, you know, I've got these guys, including some of my employees, that, that all they do today is IT, IT, IT. You got to do this, you got to do that. I don't got to do squat, all right? My, I, I'm an old grassroots kind of guy. If I want to go throw 10 free pizzas in the community as my advertisement and everything else and, and let my pizzeria be known for the quality 
and the taste and everything else and let the community talk about us, that's my advertisement. You know, and, and, and the social media whole aspect, again, it's great, but, you know, you guys cannot let go of what the old school brought to the table, how it evolved. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Sal. This this whole internet thing just isn't going to catch on. You know, I mean... Yeah, I, I thought one day it would. <laughs> I got a couple of other emails here. Uh, this was from my man, my man, my man, thank Mitch. You, thank you, Al Gore. Yeah. Uh, my man, Mitch, he says, uh, uh, Joshua Miller breaks Madison Square Garden pre-sale record. He says, uh, so here he comes to the United States and it's no different. Deontay should have taken the $20 million offer, which is so right. Remember, Deontay Wilder was offered $20 million, 15 to fight Anthony Joshua, after he got five to fight anyone he chose, and then they were going to negotiate the rubber match, which he was guaranteed. Don't, they weren't saying he had it, that the, the $20 million only included the two fights, and then they were going to negotiate the third fight, depending upon how the first one went. And he turned it down. He still has yet to make that $20 million. And, he, oh, by the way, AJ's coming over and fighting big, fat baby Miller and making between 25 and 30 But anyway, he says, uh, so let's be clear. He comes to the U.S. He's talking about AJ, uh, and it's no different. Um, Deontay should have taken the $20 million. He says Deontay's guarantee for Fury was $4 million. AJ leaves the comfort of the U.K., breaks Madison Square Garden's pre-sale record, and he's also done that uh, in the UK, and he gets an effing thirty-two million dollar guarantee to fight Miller. I didn't even realize it was that much. And without, um, my, without Deontay Wilder, exactly. No, he's getting a guarantee. That means minimum. Uh, he says, "I'm one of the few people who feel he should have stayed in the UK and changed the landscape of the heavyweight division." Do you want the titles? Come see me. Nevertheless, thirty-two million. They could have made this fight in Alaska. I, I'm with my man Mitch Sal. I think that if we're going to hold on to anything that we used to value in the sport of boxing, if you're the champion, you get to fight in your backyard. You got to go to somebody else's backyard and win the title to earn to have the fight in your backyard. What's your thoughts? Well, I believe that one hundred percent. I mean, you know that that's part of. What you could say is a, a not a fringe benefit, but you know one of the one of the you know leverage or one of the things that you could have and, and on your side, you know uh, you pick the you pick the venue, you you go to the backyard and the challenger who who has to come after the title literally comes into your backyard, and if he's the warrior uh, mentality and, and and physicality, you know then he he comes in your backyard and takes the title home for him. But no, I, I believe what you just said is wholeheartedly true. And uh, uh, a champion should be able to fight in his backyard and, uh, you know, take on all challengers that are willing to step up to the challenge. All right, we got one more email, and this one's from my man Joel. And Joel, uh, jo Joel I, I glanced at this while you were talking, and this is such a great email, uh, not only because, you know, it says what I've been saying for years, but he's – let, let me read it. This is from my man, so, Joel. Long, so long, long, long time. He's so sharp. It's like a great piece of provolone. But uh, um, he says, uh, with the direction of watching TV, or in our case, uh, combat sports, the future is all in the streaming world, as you've said so in the past, with subscription-based services. I've 
been talking about that for years, Sal. I mean, uh, you have, you um, have. I still didn't think this is catch on. And it, it definitely, it, it, it caught on quicker than I thought. But it, it, the truth of the matter is, is that it's not done yet. This is the beginning of it. Eventually, and I've said this years ago. Eventually, what we're going to do is we'll be able to subscribe uh, to a carrier, a a provider, and be specific of what we want to watch. So in other words, if you're a sports fan and you like boxing and football and baseball, you can pay to get all of those sports delivered to you worldwide. Um, that's the way it's going to evolve. Right now we're, we're there, but it's there's still the greed factor still involved. And until that all shakes out. Uh, wow, but anyway, the cable guy out. Let's, uh, let's read on. He says uh, uh, it's... Um, uh, it's become more and more costly for someone as myself, who was a fan of uh, MMA, boxing, and wrestling, to keep up with all my favorites. I have about five or six uh, streaming costs a month. Do you feel that these services are really beneficial and will produce some big things for us down the line? It would be nice uh, to have ESPN Plus giving us a fight like Crawford Khan. Uh, rather than make us pay more for it on a pay-per-view. I feel the zone is the winner so far, going out of its way to give us great uh, quality boxing and MMA events without making you pay extra uh, and having a uh, uh, zone pay-per-view event. Giving us Canelo and Anthony Joshua for your normal $10 a month is a steal. What's your guys' start, uh, thoughts? Um, first of all, my thought is that uh, DAZN does have it right, and it's going to, the success of DAZN is going to be made or broken relatively quickly. The amount of guarantees that they've shelled out for the big names like Anthony Joshua and, of course, Canelo Alvarez and their, their, their deals that they've signed, the amount of revenue, you know, when you start doing the math, um, really, the subscription, the $10 a month, you know, they don't need that many. I mean, if they get 2 million people to subscribe, which would be a big number, um, that's pretty damn good. And considering if you're the consumer and you're paying 120 bucks a year um, for all the big fights versus waiting for the, you know, two or three times a year for a big pay-per-view that you're spending 60 to to $100 for, I guess you're getting a bargain. But the point that Joel is making here, I think is in order to watch, and I've said this before, the promoters have seemingly aligned themselves with a specific streaming network, top rank with ESPN+, Plus, um, you know, uh, Eddie Hearn with, with The Zone, etc. And if you like, uh, you know, Eddie Hearn's fighters, you're going to subscribe to The Zone. If you like top rank fighters, you're going to subscribe uh, to uh, uh, ESPN+. Plus. So what's happened is they've taken a piece of the, um, UFC model that Dana White uh, built where he was formed a league and all these fighters had a fight with under that league and made the league money. Well, boxing can't form a league right now to be successful. There's too many sanctioning bodies involved. The fighters would be enticed to jump out of the league for more money. It's just at this point, it's a virtually impossible thing to succeed at. However, by doing it the way they are, um, aligning yourself, forcing you to align yourself with a specific promoter and his or her fighters, 
Now, that seems like a pretty smart approach. They're all trying to get in on it at this level. It'll eventually come where some other network, some other provider will gobble up and pay for the subscribers to the Zone and ESPN Plus or what have you to give their consumer a package which will encompass all of it. That's how I think it's going to end up going. And I think at this point, Joel, to answer your question, you're in a no-win situation. If you want it all, you got to pay for it all. What's your thoughts, Sal? Just what you said right there. You want it all. You're going to have to pay for it all now and then later. And I agree with you too, Bill. I think there's going to be some big bird that's going to come around, gobble up all the, the services and, and, and blanket it uh, in an a la carte fashion under their own guise. And, uh, you know, that. could I tell you the truth? I would like that because I, I don't like to worry about this one, that one, and everything else. It, it, it's too much. Let me have one where I can select, hey, I want to see these fights, that fight, this one, here and there, and I'll pay for it. You know, I'll pay for whatever, you know, that one I want to see. But the, but the beauty of these services at this point is if you – not that I'm promoting any of them because I, I hate promoting anything I don't get a cut yeah. of. Absolutely. But but the truth of the matter is is for these top two, for these top two, ESPN Plus and and DAZN, the beauty of subscribing and paying the the five or ten bucks a month is that you know I don't know about you man but you know by by midnight I'm I'm in my feety pajamas usually to be honest with you by nine o'clock so I get to watch these. At 4 in the morning when I usually wake up, or 3 in the morning is my normal routine. I get up at 3 in the morning. I can turn around and watch these fights without paying extra for a service. In other words, if you if you were just getting these on TV, the extra 10 bucks a month, you're paying for the DVR service. You might just get the regular cable service or, or uh, you know, from a satellite or whatever, but you want the DVR capability, well, now you're going to pay a little extra for that. You're paying these services, and you get to watch it on demand when you want anyway. So you, you kind of, yes, you are paying extra, but you're getting a little more for it too at this stage. They're all scrambling right now, but eventually we will be able to get, and it will probably be based on the device. If you're in a Verizon world or if you're in an Apple world, that's going to be the driver, um, I think, because those are the only two types of, you know, because let's face it, television the way we know it is going bye-bye um so it's going to all be streaming anyway so whether you're watching it on a 50 inch tv or whether you're watching it on your little phone uh not your flip phone sal because i sal's sal's moved right up into technology he's got a flip phone now but uh no he i i gotta be honest you got a you got a smartphone don't you it's not that smart it's an old tell you how old it is i've had this phone i didn't start using it till uh my flip phone broke about a year ago, and I've got this old iPhone 5S. That's how old it is, and I activated it, and uh, it has been a challenge. I don't like iPhone. I don't like iPhone products. I'm going to Galaxy. I think the 9 Note is for me. That's it. I tell you, Sal's phone is so old. It's got gray hairs on it. It's, it no, does. <laughs> it's got cracked screens. It's got this. It's got that. But it's resurrected. I have a phone magician that I call, and they come and they, they, they rescue it. Years ago, and I think this was Alex Papali, but years ago, he and I would, were somewhere, and I think he drove over his phone with his car, and, and it was a flip phone that survived. 
Um, yes. So so they're they're tough now. You you know you drop it the wrong way. But uh, anyway, next week, boys and girls, we're going to be talking about uh, some good fights that are going to be taking place, um, and uh, one of them uh, I'm really looking forward to in the super middleweight division. Uh, James DeGale is taking on Chris Eubank Jr. This is a really good fight. Uh, on on paper, it's a good fight. And for real, it's a good fight. Uh, when you look at these guys' uh, last 10 fights or so, each of them have all fought some pretty tough opposition. As a matter of fact, uh, three fights ago, Chris Eubank fought uh, Ann Vili Yildrum, uh, knocked him out in three. This is the same Yildrum that will be fighting uh, Sean Porter in his first world title defense. So this is a fight I'm really looking forward to that we'll get to talk about next week, Sal. That sounds good. I look forward to it. I'll start doing some homework on it right now. Well, it sounds Over good. It sounds good because I know you'll be well prepared for next week. I know I, will. I know you will be. But uh, anyway, listen, boys and girls, make sure you tune in next time. Same bat time. Same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.